going to do any good at all for me just to stand up there and cry for an hour. So I'm just going to cry for a half an hour, all right? Actually, I do bring greetings to you from all the churches in our region, all throughout Florida and now through Georgia and South Carolina and the Bahamas. Uh, Men who have been praying for you, churches that have been praying for you. Uh, Many folks from those churches who have come and served in various ways have carried you in their heart. Everyone that I've had the privilege of talking to recently that I told that I was going to be able to come and be with you and that you were actually having your grand opening month. Um, (laughs) When's the grand opening? Well, it's going to be like a while. But um, to say that I was, Melody and I were, would be coming up and joining with you, to see the instant joy on their faces and realize that in their heart was the fact that this is a, such a tangible answer to prayer, that we are sitting in the midst of a work that God has done. So we, we are here to just say that we're all celebrating with you. The, the staff's done such a great job with the, with the pictures uh, moment by moment to see this building go from pylons uh, to this fabulous facility. And we are just celebrating with you and grateful to be a part of this. And I trust that in just a few moments I can exhort you in a way that will encourage you and challenge you. And trust that um, it won't be like Zorro, where I just rip you to shreds and run away. I feel like I should wear a mask or something. I've just never been compared to Zorro before. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done to make it possible for us to be together again. Lord, what a joy for all of us to be together and for all of our guests. Lord, for them to be here to celebrate in such a glorious time uh, of celebration and joy as we are experiencing your goodness and your kindness that we know we don't deserve and that we didn't earn and that we're not special in, in a way that you're treating us better than others. We're just amazed at what you have lavished upon us and we want to be faithful to use what you've given us for your glory. We want to make sure the attention is diverted to you and you alone. So, Lord, help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 11, not necessarily everyone's favorite chapter in the Bible, a very difficult passage of Scripture, but Romans chapter 11. And as you're turning to that, I'm sure it's no surprise to you for me to say that God thinks differently than you do. He thinks differently than I do. He has a magnificent perspective. He sees more than we could ever imagine. He acts in ways that usually don't make a lot of sense to us. And it's really not uncommon for a child of God to look up and wonder, Lord, why did you do that? Why did you allow that? What is it that you want? God, what are you up to? That's typical For a child to ask of their father. And here we find in Romans 11, right in the middle of one of the most profound writings that you'll find in Scripture about God's grace and mercy, 
Paul just can't stand it any longer, and he breaks out into spontaneous adoration and praise. And in verse 33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God! Exclamation point. I mean, he's saying this, you can just see him writing it with every ounce of energy. You, he, he's been proclaiming these truths that are a real challenge for us to understand how God thinks and how God works. And he just can't take it anymore. And he bursts into this uh, acknowledgement of how great God is. And he goes on to say, how unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable, it says in the English Standard Version, which that word inscrutable, inscrutable means mysterious or difficult to understand. So how difficult to understand are his ways. And again, Christians and non-Christians alike would, would agree. We don't get it the way God does things, the way he thinks. And he goes on in verse 34 to say, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And you can go on the college campus and take a, a course in comparative religion and you'll hear the description of the Christian God uh, and the, the Christian understanding of God. And it will be many times compared and mocked in comparison to other of man's attempts to explain God. But we go to scripture and we find that this is so true that we are approaching a God who is incomprehensibly great. He is not a God of our own creation. Just think about it. I mean, just logic. Do you think if man was making it up, would we have the kinds of things we see recorded in Scripture? It would be the opposite. There's no way we would see the kind of sin in men. We, we would not see the kind of thing that's offensive to our reasoning and our understanding. We're, we see described here from Genesis to Revelation a God that is not like us, and yet we're made in his image. A God that's so much greater and, and incomprehensibly great, meaning that he's too great for any of us to really wrap our understanding around. And for all of eternity, even once in heaven, we'll still never, ever, ever, ever be able to fully comprehend his greatness. That's how great he is. And that's the God that we see revealed here in Holy Scripture. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Answer, nobody. <laughs> Who has been his counselor? No one. We, we can't comprehend a, a God, a being that is totally and completely self-sufficient. There's no other being on earth like him. And in verse 35, he says, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid because he has created all things. He knows all things. There's nothing that we can add to what God has done. In verse 36, it says, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. And we all say Amen. Now, if you turn your Bibles to Isaiah 55, and you'll see the same kind of thing happening with the, the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 55, we, we see him breaking into, again, this in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant understanding and relationship of man to God. We see in verse 6, Isaiah communicating some of the very same things. He says there in verse 6 of Isaiah 55, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And that's exactly what Eddie was talking to us about today. And I saw many tears, and I know those tears are not just because you know Eddie and you're grateful for what God's done for him, but you're relating. 
to one who has been abundantly pardoned. You see, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want you to make make sure that you are very clear on this. You are not in an auditorium full of saints. Now, we are saints by biblical definition. We are not saints by popular definition as if we're all perfect. Now, we may look real good this morning. May not be pretty, but we may look good. We may be clean and everything may look pretty nice, but I guarantee you, you're surrounded by individuals who are sinners. The members of this church have not arrived. They've not yet been glorified. And they're not just sitting around waiting for heaven because they've already done everything that needs to be done. Every person in this room, every member of this church is very aware that we are sinners in need, desperate need of a holy God. Now, there is a difference in the Christian and the non-Christian in that the Christian has this assurance that God not just in, in name only or knowledge only abundantly pardons, but we have experienced that. And so we have an assurance from God that does bring us great joy and great peace in spite of a world seemingly falling apart around us. There is nothing that can steal our joy. Nothing can take away from us our peace. And the result of that is a love that is beyond our ability to describe. We love one another. If there's anything about this church that we'd love for you to be impressed with, is not the architecture, as beautiful as this facility is. But if there's anything we want you to notice is, oh, how we love one another. And that love comes from a love for God. A God that abundantly pardons. And Isaiah goes on and he says, for my thoughts... Uh, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, God's speaking here, uh, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And again, the Christian goes, absolutely, that's how I relate to him on a daily basis. His ways are so much greater, greater than mine. Uh, many of you will remember a series of movies Uh, The first one, I believe, just entitled Jurassic Park. And I'm not endorsing it or anything like that, but just it was a a unique movie. And if you remember when the scientists were being introduced to this uh, modern-day marvel where they had cloned these dinosaurs and were going to turn it into a a tourist attraction, um, as the scientists were trying to figure out how in the world that you, you did this, the owner, the creator, the man behind it all, he made this defining statement in the movie. He goes, we spared no expense. Remember that? For those of you that saw that. Well, I want to make two simple points this morning to celebrate and dedicate this building for the purposes of God. And number one is this. God met your greatest need before you even knew to ask him. He, in the ultimate way, spared no expense. And number two... That same God has met your current need in providing this building for you for reasons you do not yet fully understand. And so the miracle of this facility being completed that we're celebrating today, it's important that you understand it goes much farther than the destruction of this city by Hurricane Katrina because it goes back to before the world was ever created in the first place. God met your greatest need 
before you even knew to ask him. Isaiah said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. And what he's talking about is this greatest need that you and I have. In fact, every human being, anyone that's ever lived on the face of the earth, regardless of their race, their tribe, their nationality, their culture, our greatest need has never been financial. It's never been material. It's always been spiritual. It's always been an eternal need. And it's a need that we have not ever, no human being has ever been able to meet in and of themselves. We are those who have transgressed against God. There's no one here that would be so arrogant to say that you've never sinned. And the scripture is very clear that God is a holy and a perfect God. He is flawless in every way and in his presence can dwell no sin. And so we have this huge problem in that we want a relationship with a God that's so holy. But as sinners, we can't relate to him. We are in need of forgiveness. We have, as the Bible says, we are enemies of his righteousness and his purity. We are lovers of ourselves. We are lovers of pleasure. You see, for us, sin is not second nature. Sin is our primary nature. Sin isn't just something that comes natural to us. Sin is who we are apart from God. It is our first and primary response to whatever we face. Because in the heart of man and woman and child, and you see it in your newborns, it doesn't take long before you realize there's one thing that child cares about. And that's what they want at that particular moment in time. You see, for us as human beings, my priority is me and mine. And that's why I need a savior. That's why you need a savior. Perhaps you're here this morning and you really haven't thought about it this way, the way I'm describing it. Perhaps it's not uh, been the way you've, you've thought in these terms before. But you probably have also wondered why... Why is it so hard to do the right thing? I know what the right thing is to do. I know when I'm telling the truth, when I'm telling a lie. Why is it so easy to do the wrong thing? Why is it that so many others, those around me, choose to do things that are hurtful and selfish and unkind? Why is life so hard and at times so meaningless? And even though I really try to be good, I fail over and over and over again. Well, I've got good news for you, my friend. And it's the good news that every one of us enjoy every day of our lives. And that is this, that the heart of a merciful and loving God. And though his wisdom is incomprehensible and his his kindness is amazing, we find the scriptures reveal to us that God loved us and he met our greatest need. He indeed spared no expense by giving his son to be a substitutionary sacrifice for our sin. In other words, Jesus took the bullet for us. There's, there's a penalty for our sin, and the Bible says that's death. And Jesus paid the penalty on the cross, taking your place, taking my place, taking our sin on himself. You see, Jesus didn't die from being nailed to the cross. What killed Jesus was my sin. And your sin. What separated Jesus from God at that moment when the earth went black is my sin. He was sinless. He was perfect. There was no separation between him and God. What separated him was my sin and your sin. And he took my place. 
And then not only did he do something that heroic and that gracious and that loving and that wonderful, that, that wonderful that is really beyond comprehension, is then the Bible describes a transaction that occurred where the righteousness that he deserved living a perfect life as a man, he exchanged for my sin. And so not only did he take my sin on his back and pay for that sin and bear the wrath of God for my sin, he then exchanged my sin and gave me the righteousness that he deserved, the right standing with God. And so if you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we see there a description of what's going on and what's occurred. It's mind-blowing. It's amazing. And the Bible says this all happened before the earth was even created, before you or I were even thought of, before you ever committed your first sin, or never mind all the sin that you've committed since then. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, I don't have time to really open a lot of this up. I would encourage you to go back to this passage of Scripture this afternoon or sometime this week and just spend some time thinking about it. Read it over and over and, and let the truths contained here just thrill your soul. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And what did he choose? That we should be holy and blameless before him. This is the good news. And the good news is called in Scripture the gospel. Now, you, again, there may be those who are visiting with us or those that are new to the church that you really don't fully understand all that I'm saying. And you, I would think if you are hearing this for the first time or perhaps you've not heard it shared in this context, you've got some questions. But there's one thing that I want to guarantee you if you ever come back to be a part of this church or if you ever visit again, as long as you hang around the members of this church these people, we, we consider the church not a building, but the people from a biblical perspective. There's one thing that we can guarantee you, not that you're again going to be around people who have arrived and have it all together, but we can guarantee you one thing. This gospel message that I've just mentioned to you briefly is going to be central to everything that you hear and everything that we do. This is what we're all about. We're not about building buildings. We're not about programs. We're not about great music and, and great orators that, that, that have this ability to just keep you on the edge of your seat while they're, they're sharing their, their, their eloquent speeches. We're about the gospel. We're about knowing the gospel, understanding the gospel, and living the gospel. And that is a challenge that will take every one of us every day of our life. And so to be around us is going to be around people that are seeking to know more about the gospel and live it more effectively every day and are desperately in need of the grace of God to be able to do that. And that's why we're all aware that we have not arrived. We may not be real smart. We may not put on a good show. But we are going to guarantee you that you're going to hear the gospel presented biblically. Because we're sure of this one thing. God sent his one and only son 
that that son, Jesus Christ, might give his life for our sins. And because of that sacrifice, we have had our greatest need met because now, according to Scripture, our names have been written in the book of life, in the book of entrance into heaven itself. And so we are living our lives now, as you've heard us sing and talk about. We want to live our lives for the glory of God. But we live our lives with joy and with peace and with love because we know that we're here for whatever amount of days and years. But we've got a home being prepared for us in heaven. And we're looking forward to that grand reunion. Because our life here, our citizenship, as was mentioned earlier, is just all temporary. This is not the eternal part. What we're looking forward to, what we've already been prepared for, what our need has been met for is that we will be able to one day be around the throne of God, worshiping him in spirit and truth. And the point I want you to make is not to hear is not just what I've said, but understand all this was done before the world was ever made in the first place. So before you even knew you had a need, God met your greatest need in Christ Jesus. Now, number two. He has met your current need in providing this facility to you for reasons you do not yet understand. When I I first met you as a church, uh, by your own admission, there were significant needs in this church. We talked and we prayed and we studied scripture and we talked and we prayed and we studied scripture and we just step by step sorted out what is it that God wanted to do here. Having come to the Savior and having experienced this glorious gospel, your desire was to build a church that would bring glory and honor to his name. And again, not a church building, but the body of Christ, the people of God. And there were things here that weren't in order from a biblical perspective, things that needed to change. And I had the privilege of being a part of a lot of that and watching your pastoral team and the elders of this church humble themselves and seek God. And over the years, I've watched many of you and had the privilege of of being here on occasion to hear how these things are happening in your life. As, As you've humbled yourself before the Savior and you've responded to his grace and testimony after testimony of what God has done. And it's been such a privilege for me to just kind of sit on the sidelines and watch all this take place. But even as the Lord was at work in such wonderful ways among you, both personally and doctrinally and relationally, you as a church had another very practical problem. The facility that you were in was not adequate for the mission to which you had been called. The facility that you were in was not adequate to the mission that you had been called. Now, Please understand, I'm taking a huge risk this morning and being misunderstood. So if you misunderstand me, I'm kind of expecting it. If you don't, I'm going to be real happy. But what I'm about to say can be easily misunderstood. So listen carefully. God allowed in your lives in this city what could have been interpreted and some interpreted as evidence that he was angry with you. He allowed a flood to destroy your properties, evidence that he was judging you, that God had abandoned you, that God was against you. He allowed a storm that flooded and destroyed everything you'd built. And here's the point that could be easily misunderstood. When God allowed that storm, he had this day in mind. God saw this day 
when he allowed that day. Now, where I could be easily misunderstood is I don't want you for a second to hear me minimizing your suffering in these last three years. Because I personally, and I'm aware, I, I, I couldn't possibly understand what you've been through. I do vividly remember going through a season in my life where I had cancer. I was being wheeled into the operating room and the doctors had told me beforehand, we really don't know the extent. Uh, it was in my tongue and they said, we don't know if we're going to have to take out your entire tongue, if we're going to take out the side of your, your face, your neck. We, we really, we're going to have to get as much as we can to spare your life. Kind of having, having to give them uh, permission to take whatever they had to take. So going into the operating room, not knowing what I was going to have left. It was one of the most difficult seasons of my life. Ended up having several operations. Very, very difficult time for my family. And I would never want anybody to have to go through that. So I have a little glimpse of what that's like. But because of that, I can say with, I know I've already heard from many of you, that even going through those things, I found out after it was all over that God had so much more in store for me than I could have ever imagined. And he accomplished a work in me that, as far as I can know, and I'm sure from God's wisdom, he knew, could have happened no other way. So I believe that that's what's happening here this moment. That's what's happening in the life of this church. And I want you to make this connection. Before you even knew you needed a Savior, He sent His one and only Son to meet your greatest need. Before you even knew how you would get from where you were as a church to where you needed to be, God knew where He was taking you. And now you're there. In just this one sense. In just one small way from one facility to another, which is really minor in comparison to the things that are our priorities as a church. But through this process, God led you. He guided you. He protected you. And in ways that are just amazing to me, he provided for you. We don't understand why God does what he does the way he does. But he does things for reasons that we don't fully understand. And as thrilled as we are to be in this facility today and to have a sense of a new beginning and to be all back together and not meeting on Saturdays and Sundays again, having to rent facilities. As great as this is, I want to encourage you to think in terms of none of us really know why God's done all this yet. In other words, we have... However long until the Lord returns for his church, his bride, to discover on a daily basis, weekly, monthly basis, why the Lord allowed all this, what the Lord was doing, why he's given you this facility and how he wants you to use this for his glory. I, I commend your leadership team for the vision that they have for the days ahead. I, I commend you for your faith and your sacrifice. But I'm here to tell you today, and this, this scripture I think will be up on the screen so you don't have to turn to it. I'm here to tell you today, 1 Corinthians 2, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 
You have just begun. You haven't arrived. This is not now the time to sit back and go, okay, finally, we got it done. This facility is the tool for what we're called to do, for the mission that God's called us to. And again, in Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. So what do we do? We pray. We seek God. We cry out to him. We ask everything we know to ask. And we think as much as we know to think. We study scripture. We try to get his perspective. We talk to each other. And we think about things. And the scripture says we serve a God that's able to do abundantly more than all of that. He doesn't just abundantly pardon. He abundantly answers our prayers in ways that are beyond what we can think or ask. And he does that according to the power at work within us. It says to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And so what we're experiencing, what you've been experiencing now for years before Hurricane Trita, all since then and now and the days ahead is all of grace. God is at work. We are celebrating this month, not in what we have done, but what he has done, what he's done in us, what he's done through us. We're not taking credit for, the, for what's been accomplished. We don't walk around here pridefully, you know, busting the seams saying, look what we did. Look what we made. Look, no, 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 no. There's no way to explain the construction of this building other than the greatness and the provision of God. And, and I know all of you, many of you have sacrificed so much and, and you felt it. But you know that not one of us could have done this by ourselves. It took everyone doing their part. It's going to continue to take everyone doing their part. That's what this church is about. We are a body of believers. We're a family of believers. We're a household of faith. We're a city set in a hill. We're called to a mission to not build buildings and create organizations. We're here to reach the lost. We're here to proclaim this glorious good news. And so this morning... Understanding what scripture has said to us already. We cry out to God this morning for the city of New Orleans. We cry out to God for the lost and the suffering. We cry for the discouraged and the dismayed because although for many of you, God has really provided and put you in a whole new place. I've been in some of your homes and they're actually better than they were before the hurricane. But there are still so many that are suffering and in great need, discouraged and dismayed, confused and beguiled, deceived and seemingly hopeless. How are we going to reach them? How are we going to use this facility? What's next for us? Well, we're going to do it according to what we just saw in Ephesians 3, according to the power that's at work within us. This is not about us doing this in our strength. You couldn't do this in your own strength. You couldn't save yourself in your own strength. And we can't reach the city in our own strength. We are just as dependent as we ever have been. And why? What's the motivation? What's behind all this? So that other people will think that we're great, that we're the best church in town? Absolutely not. You may be one of the best kept secrets in the city. There are hundreds of thousands of people that need what you so enjoy on a daily basis. Why do we do this? So that we'll be recognized, so that we get in the paper. No. Just as it says in Scripture, to him be the glory in this church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. We want his name to be glorified. You see, left to yourself, you would have never chosen 
to make the transition like you have. You'd have never signed up for this. But now that you see God's wisdom, now that you see his provision, we look back and say, oh, how good God is. How great and amazing, how unsearchable his ways, how inscrutable are his ways. And the bottom line is God was right. God knew exactly what he was doing. He brought us to this place. And I know that there's a lot of questions this doesn't answer about other situations. I'm talking about this situation right here. We look at it and say, oh, God, thank you for your wisdom. And so we're keenly aware that God has done something for us. And then just to finalize this for you this morning, I believe he's done this for you for reasons you do not yet fully understand. Because that scripture says it's bringing honor and glory to his name throughout all generations, forever and ever. For generations to come, this facility and this church is committed to making sure the gospel is clear to anybody that will listen. You see, it really doesn't take the gift of prophecy to see clearly that this facility, at this location, at this point in time in history... Is going to be a place where men and women and boys and girls are, are going to be affected by the glorious gospel. We believe this is going to be a place where marriages will be healed. Marriages will be created. Uh, marriages will be cultivated and nurtured. This will be a place where the captives will be delivered and, and the sick will be healed and the church will be equipped and edified. A place where God's grace and God's love abounds. But there's still more than that, than what God wants to do in the city. And that is, I believe, and your leadership team believes, and your, uh, the members of this church believe that this is going to be a church-planting church. In other words, from this church, we are going to send groups out to other areas and other cities and perhaps other states or perhaps other nations so that others can have what we enjoy so much. Let me just ask you the question. How, how many churches, how many Sovereign Grace churches, and please, if you're our guest, we don't think Sovereign Grace is the best thing in the world. We don't think we're the cutting edge. Uh, we don't think, we don't compare ourselves to other groups of churches and, and think that we've got it all together. We've we just been called here. We know what God's given us, and we just love it. <laughs> and, and so we just want to give away. We're, we're not called to, to decide how other groups are supposed to do things. We're just doing the best that we know how to do in living Scripture, living our lives out for His glory, and we just want to give away whatever. So when I refer to Sovereign Grace Ministries, I don't mean, you know, like we are the way, the truth, and the life, all right? But this is what God's called us to do. This is what we're involved in. And so I just ask you, how many, how many Sovereign Grace churches do you think would flourish in New Orleans? Surely not just one. What about right across the bridge? That big, big, long, what is it? Lake Ponch? Is it Pontchartrain? Is that how you say it? Can you see a church there? I know many of you already live there. You're believing with me, aren't you? What about some of the other cities in Louisiana? What about, what is it, southern Arkansas, just above you? What about eastern Texas? What about Alabama, Mississippi? What about the Panhandle? Can you see sending people from this church into these other cities, into other parts of this city, 
to begin churches just like this one? Can you see the day that you will go and visit one of those churches? Or that perhaps you'll have a conference here and and, and you have a facility where you could bring folks together and, and you'd have folks come from these, these other locations and, and you begin to build relationship and perhaps meet some people that you'll have vacations with and, and that you'll enjoy serving God with. And perhaps you'll, you'll meet, you know, your, your son's wife or your wife's husband. Relationship. Did I say that wrong? Not your own wife. Your daughter. Thank you. You know how your brain goes, something's wrong. And then the laughter goes, something was really wrong. Your daughter's husband. I, I, I have a son and a daughter who are married. I've been through the process with one of each, and it's so very different. And I have a daughter and a son at home, so I'm still looking, all right? I've got another son out there, another daughter to go. But, but, but can you see that with eyes of faith? That God hasn't done all this for us to just now sit back and enjoy. And he hasn't done this just so that we can have a vibrant church and everything be really nice right here. But he's called us to give away what has been so lavished and generously given to us. Why? Because the scripture is clear. God is not willing that any should perish. And we agree with God. We are not willing that any should perish. We are dedicated to this gospel going out and bearing fruit anywhere and everywhere. So what do we need? We need God to raise up men, pastors, church planters that are gifted in in a unique way to be able to plant a church. We need folks that are going to be called to go with those men to go in these different regions willing to relocate. Individuals in these different cities for the Holy Spirit to set all this up for us. We can't do this. We don't have a machinery, uh, organizational machinery to pull this off. But God's stirring the hearts of people in these different cities and localities so that we can plant churches in these other cities. That there's there's going to be a region of churches in this geographical area where you can fellowship and you can join together to do things together that you could never do on your own. And because God has blessed you with such a marvelous facility, you can host them here. You can have times of training leaders here. You can have youth events here, singles events here, marriage seminars. You can do that. You can host that here. Again, because of how good God's been to you, now you're going to be able to give away. So I know that we're really pushing our time here. Thank you for your patience with me. But I'd like for the the leadership team, the pastors and their wives to come up and just, if you just stand shoulder to shoulder, kind of in a line here in front of me of the elders and their wives of the church, if you would come as well and stand beside them. And like for all the covenant um, group leaders and their wives, would you come and stand behind your leadership team? Again, shoulder to shoulder, just one big line here. I'd like for you to face me if you don't mind, because I want to, I want to pray at you. Um, I, I just want to, and I consider it a distinct privilege, to, to lead the church in a prayer of dedication for the purposes of God for this local church. And that God would give you a vision for more 
than just what's important to you. Again, remember we talked about when we were in the world before we knew Christ, what was our, our, our priority, what was our thinking, me and mine. We don't want to do that now as Christians where we're just caught up in how much we're enjoying this and we have this and, and now we want to protect it. I know we built a facility in, in the year 2000, moved into it, and one of the first things we talked to the church was uh, about was understand we built this building to be used. So we're going to invite people to come in here and they're going to tear it up. They're going to make marks. They're going to break things. They're going to have stains. They're going to, you know, cut, thing, you know, cut the furniture and, and the, the material. And, and, and instead of us reacting, understand, that's why we built this, to be used. This is not a sanctuary to be preserved as a museum. This facility has, has been built to be used for the glory of God. And, and if we wear it out, we're just going to redo whatever needs to be and, and keep going. Amen? So, church, would you stand with me as well? And all of our guests, if you wouldn't mind standing with us. And I know this may be a little awkward for you because this isn't necessarily your church home at all. But would you just, in a sense, with a sense of goodwill, would you just agree with us as we dedicate this facility for God's purposes, which, again, are beyond what, again, I'm just telling you the things I can think of and I'm asking for. We serve a God that's going to go beyond all that. Is it going to be amazing to see some of this in about 10 or 15 years? Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus, the one who did for us what we could never do and gave us the most precious gift we could ever have. Lord, nothing could ever match what you've done for us in giving your son, Christ Jesus. But Lord, now because of him, we can enjoy all things that you provided for us. We can receive them with joy and we can use them for your glory. And so, Father, we thank you for your precious gift to us and for this amazing gospel that you've entrusted to our care. So, Father, I pray for the pastors, the leadership team of this church. I pray for the elders. Pray, Father, that they would again, in a sense, re-up, recommit to this glorious mission of proclaiming and demonstrating protecting and honoring this glorious gospel. Lord, now that all these details and all this work has finally been accomplished and now we can get back to the things that are most important, Lord, thank you for taking away these distractions so that now they can focus on on things that are most important. And that, Lord, that you will fill their hearts with fresh faith, that you'll give these men and their wives strength, to replace their weariness, that you would give them rest for their souls. And that as they spend time alone with you, that, Holy Spirit, you would just flood their heart with inspiration and, and the, the gift of illumination, that as they read the scriptures, that it will come alive in such a way that they can effectively communicate it to the church and, and lead us and guide us as shepherds that are faithful their wives can inspire their husbands and help their husbands and, 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 and stand beside them to help them be so much more successful than they could ever be alone. And Lord, I pray for the elders. I pray for these covenant group leaders and their wives, Lord, for the way they hold up the hands of the pastors. I pray, Lord, that in their covenant groups, you will give them wisdom way beyond their years. 
when they're asked those hard questions, those theological questions, those practical issues. What am I going to do? What, God, what is God up to? What does God want? That you'll give them words that will bring healing and comfort and encouragement and faith. Lord, I pray for them that the word of God will come alive. And for every member of this church, Lord, that we will see this as a brand new day. You are the God of new beginnings. That's one of the ways you revealed yourself to us in Scripture. The God of new beginnings. And you have given us, as a church, a new beginning. And we're so grateful and we give you all the honor and credit. But Lord, now we are looking forward to working hard and doing that which you've called us to do. And using this facility for your glory. Father, I just pray for everyone here that you would give us a vision way beyond what we have thought of in the past. And help us to see the connection to our life and our gifts. What you have called us to, each one here individually, to this call on the life of this church. Lord, we can't do it. In our own strength. We've never really been able to do anything in our own strength. We are totally dependent on you. But we dedicate ourselves. And we dedicate this facility. And we dedicate, Lord, our future efforts. That your your name will be exalted. This glorious gospel will be proclaimed. And that many will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many will grow and mature in their faith. That our children will grow up to be men and women of God. Part of the answer in the world today. And a blessing to this city. Oh God, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. And for your glory. Amen. Danny, thank you so much. I had, uh, I'd asked Danny if he would pray for us in the categories that he just prayed for us because God has given unique grace to his life. And if you knew Danny's church in Orlando, uh, it is a church that lives the things that Danny just shared with us. It's a church that built a facility and has served churches throughout the region, has planted many churches out of that facility. And uh, so, Danny, thank you for imparting grace to us through your life and through your message. We are most grateful. Well, listen, um, Danny mentioned sparing no expense. We have spared no expense to put on a wonderful reception right now. So this is a great time for us just to catch up with some friends and family members that we don't get a chance to always see. If you make your way upstairs, you will find some incredible food available today for lunch. Um, Hang around as long as you'd like. We'd love a chance to visit with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for making this day so special. Be blessed.